Welcome to episode 56 of the Rip Strip Podcast, the Martin Truax Jr. from Mayetta, New Jersey uh, version of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, we got uh, a lot to go over here tonight. We're going to go over the IndyCar Series 2021 preview. We'll also go into the Parmigiano-Reggiano Grand Prix at Imola, the, what was once known as the San Marino Grand Prix forever, um, is what they probably should still call it, but they can't call it that anymore for whatever reason. Um, we'll definitely get into that. We'll go over NASCAR, where we saw that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, win at Martinsville. A guy who couldn't win on short tracks all of a sudden wins at short tracks all the time. And he has a foul-mouthed Australian guy as his uh, crew chief, too, which is interesting. And then uh, Josh Berry for all the underdogs and underground grassroots guys winning an Xfinity race and sticking it to Gagson and uh, Michael Annette and all those daddy's money ride brought buyers who can't drive uh, at Martinsville. And then uh, we'll also get into MotoGP at Portugal this weekend, supercars coming around. Uh, Bob, yeah, I mean, and give credit to uh, Josh for putting it Baba. We're going to have our picks for IndyCars this weekend. We'll do picks for Richmond and Imola, uh, which is definitely not going to be as interesting as uh, Bahrain was. Uh, I'll go to a great racetrack, and so it's going to be boring. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. And, of course, you guys talk about it on the monkey seat podcast, along with all kinds of e-racing and open wheel racing. So definitely one that will, um, will let you go and promote and do the whole thing. We talked about extreme E last week and mainly because I find Sarah price hot, but, um, but also she drives for Ganassi, uh, the, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch it all that much. I think it is an interesting thing. We'll probably get into that one of these days. But uh, the first thing we will do, though, is talk about IndyCar uh, 2021. This series has been one of the most competitive series in motorsport around the world for a long time. Uh, you can I think you could basically look at the rookie class itself and it can speak to how competitive this series is and has become and the battle though it starts really with you know scott dixon versus joseph newgarden they're the two guys that have been winning the championships here recently scott dixon has been doing this for basically 20 years he's a machine he's a robot i don't know how he keeps on doing it He's literally the longest tenured employee that isn't named Mike Hull at Ganassi. Um, I think he could he could be like uh, Liam Neeson. He could start do contract killings, whatever. Ganassi would never release him. He'd never fire him. He's that great. Um, he's a beast. Uh, his wife busts his balls and he takes it like a man. I, I don't know. Like the guy's is subhuman. I don't get it. But Joseph Newgarden, he looks like central casting. He looks like an Abercrombie and Fitch model. Uh, but he is Penske. He's Penske perfect. 
Uh, he fits the mold. He, the only thing he is missing from his resume at this point is the Indy 500, which is shocking. But, you know, Will Power and Simon Pagano didn't have that a few years ago. Now they both have it. So I think it's a matter of time that that happens. Um, I'm going to throw to Josh first in terms of this battle. And I mean, I'm and I'm not even I'm no selling here. Guys like Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta finished third in points last year and their teammates at Andretti Autosport. And you consider some of the other names here. But honestly, the battle really is those two guys. Those are the two champions, most recent champions of this series. They're the most consistent guys in the recent years. Uh, I mean, what do you look at here? It's Honda versus Chevy. It's Ganassi versus Penske. It's what IndyCar is all about. And you got the American kid, clean cut, whatever. Got a good personality. You got Scott Dixon who's understated, very soft-spoken, but he does all his talking with his right foot. Um, And the hardware uh, and his cabinet with all the hardware is plenty, plenty full for sure. Yeah, I think with Scott Dixon, he's, you know, there's a reason why he's nicknamed the Iceman in IndyCar, and he's been so dominant for so many years, and even when you don't think he's going to be the title uh, winner, he ends up winning the title. You know, there's been a few years where he did win the IndyCar title, and uh, he wasn't the guy, like, the the whole year, like, 2015, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya led the entire season, basically, and then it came down to the last race, and then Scott Dixon, basically, I think he won the final race at Sonoma and uh, Juan Pablo Montoya had issues. And then I think they, yeah, they had a tiebreaker and then he ended up, Scott Dixon, ended up winning that championship. And, you know, in 2020, this past season, like Scott Dixon, like he was up front for most of the year. And then towards the end of the year, he started kind of fading a little bit, but then he still ended up pulling out the championship. So, he, you know, he's a really tough guy to beat, uh, especially with the the way this series is as competitive as it is right now and you know for joseph newgarden he's uh already won the championship and he's kind of a rising star still in the indycar series um he's been you know very fairly dominant uh for a while now and uh you know we give him comparisons to you know guys like rick mears um you know with the penske connection with how you know he's the kind of the american guy right now running indycar for penske and you know the only thing really he's missing is you know a couple of Indy 500 titles there. So I think if he can get at least one Indy car or Indy 500 win or two Indy 500 wins, you know he'd certainly cement his place in the uh, you know category of uh, greatest Indy car drivers uh, you know of all time certainly. But um, I think you know it's going to be a, a question of how much. Um, uh, Penske and Ganassi can compete against each other. And then also the engine power behind it, you know, with Honda engines, they've been pretty reliable the last season or two. And then uh, Chevy, you know, they've, they've been good at some tracks and then there are other places like Indianapolis 500 where they've been kind of behind Honda and they haven't been as quite as reliable as maybe what they ought to be. And so I think that's going to be certainly a question, you know, they have the, engine war coming up i guess in the next couple of seasons with the new engine formula going to the 2.2 uh 
uh, dual turbo engines with, uh, I think they're going to have the Kurs uh, power with that. So that's going to be interesting and wonder if that's going to give some motivation for Chevy to uh, up the ante and uh, compete against Honda and try to equal them at least. So that's going to be an interesting thing. But you know, at the end of the day, it's also going to come down to uh, how much uh, Joseph Newgarden can challenge uh, Scott Dixon you know, if, if he can outdrive him every race, you know, score more points, uh, get more, you know, more podiums than him and he ultimately score more race wins than Scott Dixon and, you know, not make any mistakes. I think Joseph Newgarden can definitely uh, contend this year against uh, Scott Dixon, but, but, you know, there are guys like Alexander Rossi who haven't uh, ran as well as they should have. And now that they've got that bad year out of the way, do they come back and make a run at the title and be kind of that, third contender to the title potentially you know we got a guy like pato award who uh came around last year does he uh have it in him to make a run at the title this year i think uh, a lot of that we're going to see this year it's going to be a very competitive season uh for indycar and i'm excited to watch it yeah i think you know for you for you tom i know it's it was f1 on your recent indycar convert and uh Dixon had some looks in Formula One, I, not a lot. Joseph Newgarden was in the pipeline. I think the Jeremy Shaw Team USA uh, program and ran, I think, what was what we would call Formula Three now or something like that uh, with Connor Daly, with some of the other guys that are actually on the grid right now whether it's on in Formula One or in IndyCar or sports cars. Uh, but what is your take on, uh, I mean, Dixon versus Newgarden, which I think is the main focal point here. If you were really doing uh, justice in regards to what this they should be promoting here in IndyCar, I think one of the first things they should do is build even though there really isn't a rivalry, it's a friendly rivalry. It's the Penske versus you know, they, the, the, that's the two guys you had, as Josh said, first half of the season was definitely Dixon. And then second half of the season was definitely Newgarden. And in the end, they had a great battle that came right down to St. Pete last October. And uh, I think we're in for a great show between those two. But as Josh said, there's other guys that we need to look at as well. Yeah, I think you're, you're, everything you said there is absolutely right. Um, I think Dixon and uh, and Newgarden, the pair of them, are the, uh, the the box office pair that the IndyCar need to be uh, need to be pushing. But you can't look. Uh, I think what's great about IndyCar and something that you don't see in uh, in European motorsport. Um, uh, certainly, top line motorsport. Anyway, is just just how competitive the field is throughout. Uh, I think it was, must be pr- probably between fifteen and twenty different winners just uh, just looking through the field. Uh, I know we've got a slightly bigger field, but even so, it's uh, it's just packed with winners uh, and winners from all other series as well. Um, you've um, your uh, your your Scott Dixon. I think is the uh, it seems to come across as the uh, as the Lewis Hamilton of uh, of IndyCar. Definitely, he's. Um, He's uh, sorry. I've got a cat that's being very, uh, very annoying here. He decides he wants to be involved with the show, so apologies for that. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be going to be a fascinating season, as, as you rightly say. Dixon, uh, he ran away at the start of the season, ran and hid, uh, and then just 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 held on as the season went on. Um, 
and I think if, if the season is is a race longer, perhaps Newgarden takes the title. Um, and you've also got you know you've got young chargers in there in, in Colton Herter and uh, and uh, Paso Awards not not far behind. Uh, I think they they're going to come on. They're going to come on uh, strong this year. Uh, and you, you're not going to have Rossi having as bad a season as he had last year. Um, so, so there's, there's, there's just it's so difficult to pick. I think you're right; those two are the, are the two you got to look at to begin with. But um, I would not be surprised if you got one of seven drivers win the title this year. Yeah, this championship, the way uh, with with the teams, how deep they are, with the development programs that exist amongst these big time teams. It, it I mean, every race. I mean, just to practice is is gonna matter like who's we're talking about practice like like practice actually matters you know because unlike nascar um every other motorsport has that um indycar limited practice have to find your setup have to get off the trailer and run really well and you have ross who's just freaking angry and i think ross when he's angry is a really scary thing. You have Colton Herta with full sponsorship, full funding for the first time uh, because George Michael Steinbrenner, just like his whatever dad and whatever his uncle, they're cheap and they are looking at the bottom line. They're not about winning per se, um, which is why the Yankees didn't win a World Series for a whole decade, which is a whole separate topic. Um, I may sound angry because I'm a Yankee fan, but it's not because I expect them to win a World Series every year. It's because they're just fucking cheap, and then they charge $18 for a beer. Um, beside the point, uh, the the fact that you have Andretti, you have Ganass, you have Penske, and then the and you mentioned Tom, you mentioned and Josh, and we've all mentioned the Paddle Award. Colton Herta dynamic to this is I think that second tier. I mean, obviously Alexander Rossi, he's won all a lot of races, formula one driver didn't probably get the fairest opportunity, mainly because he doesn't have any money, but he's here now he's made his name. Napa's got behind him. He's going to be here for the long haul Andretti and Honda are backing him to the core. But Colton Herta versus Pat Award has been going on for years. And I think that rivalry is is real because the fact is Pat Award and Colton Herta ran in Indy Lights together with Andretti. Pat won nine races, won that championship. They both went to whatever that, that team is. Um, the the one with um I'm forgetting what the hell they're they they were Harding racing. They went to Harding. Paddle Award went and qualified in the fast six and finished in the top 10 in his debut in an Indy car. Colton Herta, good, not great day. Get to the next year. Colton Herta, because he had George Michael Steinbrenner's support, all of a sudden had a full-time ride. And Pat Award didn't have anything. And then everybody was trying to no-sell him, including Michael Andretti and all these other people, when in the end they screwed him. And it took 
Kim having this circuitous route and running limited races for Carlin and IndyCar, running Formula Two with with as a teammate to to Lord Mahavir and going and and doing all kinds of other crap, Super Formula, and then he came all the way back, and then Zach Brown and and Schmidt went and sent uh, Hinch and. Uh, I forget who was the other driver. Uh, other, it wasn't because it wasn't Robbie. It was somebody else. I forget who. I think it was. Um, I don't know who it was. And they, or, or, um, it's the guy that drives the eight car. Uh, uh, Erickson. Yeah. So they sent both of them, and then they were like, "Okay, we want Paddle Award," and he finally got a full time ride with full funding in IndyCar. And he should have won at least one race, probably three, but he should have won at least one race. He was, he should have won road America won at least once at Iowa. The guy is a beast in waiting. And I give credit to Frank and Missy of the Indy sports car podcast for them making me a paddle award mark because that dude is, he's a freak. Uh, If there were funding behind him, I think he'd be in a Formula One car. He's that good. Um, and I think that would be the same story for Colton Herta. And he has the makeup because of his family lineage to be there. So with that, I'll start with you, Tom. In terms of Colton Herta, who's been in Europe, ran some stuff in Europe, but Made his name here, of course. His dad, a former IndyCar driver, has European racing experience himself in his back in his day. Uh, And then, of course, Pato Award, who we saw a couple of years ago in Formula 2 and Super Formula. Um, That rivalry, I think, is a subplot to this IndyCar championship here in 2021 in regards to what we're going to see. Cause I think that's the same thing. Chevy versus Ford. You have an up and coming team in Schmidt arrow McLaren, Schmidt Peterson versus the Andretti Autosport juggernaut. I think that right there is that rivalry. Those two guys pushing each other could make this thing really spicy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, regular listeners of, uh, of, of, my podcast, The Monkey Seat, and obviously uh, Grid Talk as well, will know that I'm a huge McLaren fan, so I'm going to be uh, slightly slightly biased towards Pato in that case. But uh, I think with uh, with Pato, he's going to have he's going to have Felix Rosenquist right with him. Uh, he's got a year in McLaren now, obviously, so he's got his feet under the table. But so much talent, um, and uh, and I think Rosenquist is very underrated and, and will push him as well. I know he didn't particularly push Dixon last year, but a lot of bad luck came his way as well. But I think uh, with the in, in the environment that uh, Aaron McLaren SP are, are starting to create, I, I think they're, uh, they're, a, they're a juggernaut of the sport waiting to, waiting to become uh, one of the uh, Andretti's and the, uh, and, and the Penske's as well. So, but uh, you can't look past the, the talent of Colton Hurt. It's a very, uh, he's, 
he is just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I'm so impressed with him. Uh, the the, uh, the the few years I've been watching IndyCar properly, uh, he's been one of the standout names for me, definitely. Um, so yeah, he's uh, the, the subplot is is right, but equally I wouldn't look past them for the for the championship as well. The pair of them, um, I, I think uh, it may be slightly too soon uh, for one of them to be right up there and potentially Colton Herta will be that one but I think Pato is going to be is going to be right with those leaders and 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 was for the majority of uh, of last season once once he got things going as well so yeah absolutely right with the um with like the almost like the the second billing but as I said uh, I mean we've not even it's crazy to mention these guys and you know we've not even mentioned Will Power and with this as well you know there's there's just so many names just throughout the field that you just you just think you wouldn't be surprised if any of them won the championship so I'm absolutely buzzing looking forward to this weekend i think uh, the whole season's going to be an absolute cracker to go and make the fast 12 on road courses getting out of round one of qualifying is going to be superbly difficult which when you consider other motorsports and the fact they don't have qualifying on uh, nascar uh but then also other series and just how the way things are to get through the practice itself to set yourself up to be in a qualifying grid because you separate the groups based on odds and evens based on what round you get in i mean it doesn't really matter it's just the top six out of each round but to get out of round one of qualifying on a road course in indycar might be the most difficult qualifying that exists in motorsports today. Uh, you know, making a grid in, in NHRA in its day might have been there uh, when they had deeper grids, especially um, in the pro stock and pro stock motorcycle category. But, you know, you know, making the U.S. Nationals, but it's U.S. Nationals, like the way Daytona 500 used to be or the Indy 500. but in terms of just a regular race by race basis, making round, getting out of round one to get into the fast 12 of IndyCar qualifying uh, is going to be, and then getting into the fast six, forget the fast 12, that, that's its own right. It's crazy. So that's, that is something that we're going to watch. And I also, and I believe that Colton Herta, Pato Award are, are going to be up there for sure. Um, Josh, I know I'll throw to you here uh, with with Colton. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a Pato guy. Uh, I've been a Pato guy for a long time. I don't really care for Colton. Uh, I didn't really give a crap about his dad either. I didn't think his dad was that great. But um, the and I don't really care for Colton's personality. And I think that's part of it. Uh, but. In regards to that subplot and the way that we look at IndyCar, is that something that we need? Because the fact is, look, Dixon, I don't think it's going to quit. He's going to be able to dictate when he quits, kind of like Kevin Harvick um, as a NASCAR comparison. Joseph Newgarden is the American whatever kid, so he's going to be at Penske no matter what. He's got a ton of sponsors. Hitachi's with him. Got Shell, all kinds of sponsors. But the fact is, he's not. They're not moving on from. They they basically invested in him. Penske has been scouting him. That's his guy. He's hoping he's Rick Mears, Alonzo Jr., 
Al Senior, the whole bit, every great American, Mark Donahue, all of it. But does IndyCar need Colton Herta versus Pato Award to go? Because you consider Pato Award with Mexico, Ireland, getting some additional audience that way. You know, Colton Herta being the young American guy, um, really kind of, you know, a rough around the edges kind of guy, even though he really isn't. Um, do we really do we need that rivalry to happen so that we can go and truly have a um, a, a, a real championship here make make this go and i guess have a little bit more flavor as we go on in in future years yeah i think i have to agree with you there uh, i mean i myself am probably more of a pato award guy than colton herta but you know, they're both equally impressive drivers uh for pato award i mean he's kind of young and so is uh Colton Herta so um I think the series definitely needs both of them to have a rivalry where you know they're able to match each other's results week after week throughout the season and um it adds to the drama of the championship along with Dixon and Newgarden who we know are going to be there at the end but you know like I said earlier like if Pato Ward or Colton Herta if they're able to contend for the championship uh at the end of the season it adds more drama to the uh, championship and it brings more attention to just how competitive this uh, series really is. And you have not just two drivers who are going for the title, but if you have uh, three or four drivers who can, you know, really go for the title and you don't know who uh, is going to win the championship there at the end. But um, for, you know, for Colton, I think he's probably going to be the top dog at Andretti Autosport in a couple of years. If uh, Andretti or if, um, uh, Alexander Rossi decides to move on and, you know, go to Penske or Ganassi or something like that, or, uh, you know, if something happens to him, I think Colton Herter definitely be the guy there. And I think, you know, with McLaren uh, and uh, Aero Motorsport, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport, I think uh, Paddle Ward's definitely going to be the guy there for a long time. So both of them are really in stable rides. And, you know, I expect both of them to have a rivalry, like you said, and, if if they can do that, then uh, and the series knows how to promote the uh, rivalry, then uh, it's going to be good for the sport, and it'll be something to watch. Yeah, it's something that when that's something we're going to discuss here in a little bit in regards to what uh, the series should be doing to promote these these stories and some of these great battles that are going to exist not only currently, but in the future. And I think the, another piece to that is the rookie battle. Um, this rookie battle is probably the best talent, most talented rookie battle there's been in a long time, if not ever. You have some guy that's won seven NASCAR championships and has been winning since he was like in his teens uh deciding he wants to go and drive an indie car as his post retirement deal and his name is Jim Johnson some people may have heard of him uh, he's won 83 races and seven championships in NASCAR and then you have Roman Grosjean who's 
finished on podiums and won Formula Two championships. And he was a great French hope and all these other things. And most recently, uh, most people know him because he almost uh, ate it at Bahrain and got through and uh, was able to talk about it the next week. So there's that. And that basically ended a full-time ride. He was going to run full-time this year. He's going to run ovals. Um, and then that crash basically ended him doing that. So that's crazy in its own right. And then you have Scott McLaughlin, who's the uh, multi-time supercars champion out of Australia. Uh, he is, you know, the he is basically Penske's answer to Scott Dixon. That new they've been chasing their New Zealand Iceman, like absolute demolition guy, and it took getting a guy from Tin Tops in Australia who basically took Holden's soul uh, to, to do it. And they got Scott McLaughlin, who's been an absolute beast over there uh, for the last few years. And he'll be running for the full season. So in its own right, he is the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. But Josh, I'll, I'll throw it to you. In regards to this rookie battle, I mean, thinking back over time, I mean, we've had Nigel Mansell as a rookie. We've had, you know, Miss Hummer as a rookie and all the other people. But in terms of actually the depth of this rookie class, this has to be the best rookie class for decades in regards to Indy cars. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And I mean, in terms of quantity, I mean, it isn't really a, a huge rookie class because technically Scott McLaughlin's going to win it by default because he's running the whole season and uh, Jimmy Johnson and Romain Grosjean both just running the road courses. But in terms of experience, uh, the experience level between Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR champion, um, he's got experience in off-road cars as well. Uh, Romain Grosjean also, you know, with his Formula One experience and He's definitely been uh, in open wheel for a very long time. And then you have uh, Scott McLaughlin, who's been in, in uh, the V8 supercars for uh, a while now. And he's coming off basically a, a three-time back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back uh, champion in, in that series. And he's proven to be a very competitive driver there. And so far in IndyCar, in his... Uh, uh, resume there he's only had a uh, like one or two races but he's done pretty well and looks like you know he he's going to be really quick and based on the testing and all, all of his lap times it looks like he's going to be very very much uh, up there in terms of uh, competitiveness so for this uh, rookie class even though it may not be a whole lot in terms of size and and you know in terms of who would technically actually win the title you know, in terms of just experience between all three of those guys alone, I I think it's a, a pretty good rookie class for IndyCar. And I mean, I don't know if it's the best of all time, but it's definitely up there in terms of experience. Yeah, this is quite a talented class. And Tom, I'll I'll send to you in regards to Grosjean, you know, he's run the gamut over his career in Formula One. I'm not so sure how much you know about Jimmy's career, but in regards to Grosjean and even Scotty McLaughlin, thinking about this rookie class, this is going to be an interesting battle in its own right uh, because Scotty is going to be in a fourth Penske car. 
you know, Jimmy's going to be in a third or fourth at sometimes fourth, uh, or it's fourth Ganassi car. Cause they have three full time cars. I forget about Erickson, but you know, you, you also have, um, uh, what's his name in the 10 car. I'm forgetting what, what his name is. Um, he, he was running Alex Palau. Alex Palau, yeah. So I mean, Palau's the latest guy to jump in the ten car in its own right is a bad luck spot. You know, he's the guy that has to be the teammate to Scott Dixon. Uh, the only one that's being able to stand up is Dario Franchitti. But yeah, your thoughts on this rookie battle as we have it right now? Well, yeah, as as you rightly say, I I don't know an awful lot. Um, in fact, I, I know less than nothing about uh, NASCAR uh, and uh, and uh, sports cars in general. Uh, it's it's if it's got a roof, then I'm not interested. But um, Scott uh, Scott McLaughlin and and Jimmy Johnson, obviously, I'd I'd heard of their names, and I'm uh, huge respect for what they have done in motorsport, uh, even if it's not a sport that uh, that I particularly follow. But um, Obviously, I know a lot about Roman Grosjean, and considering that Roman is is not going to be at the forefront of this, um, just goes to show the depth of competition in the sport in general and in the series. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, Scott's probably got the uh, given that he's going to be doing the whole season. Uh, the double points at Indy is going to make a difference. Uh, I think he's likely to be the, uh, the the top dog there. If if Jimmy Johnson is uh, is not last, then I think he's he's probably going to be happy with that in season one. Uh, going into season two, he's he's not going to be happy if he's uh, if he's not moving forwards. But uh, I think Scott's definitely the, uh, the the class of the rookie field for my for my take on that um but uh, uh i th- i think it's uh, it's it's going to be a long tough season for jimmy johnson uh, I, I can't see the yes the experience and everything he does is so professional in everything he does but uh, i think it's it's such a such a huge jump up from what he's used to to then come into this and be competitive is 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 going to be incredibly difficult for him i mean he's there's a reason why he is as great as he has been for as long as he has been at it for 25 plus years um, across off-road racing to stock car racing to. Uh, so when it comes to the rookies, you know, Jimmy Johnson for 25 years has been a beast on the racetrack, uh, you know, whether it's a motorcycle, whether it's dirt vehicles of different kinds, buggies or trophy trucks to all his great wins in NASCAR to um, Scotty McLaughlin, of course, coming off all of his great success driving for Dick Johnson and Roger Penske in Australia and now coming over here um, in part because his wife's, of course, uh, from the U.S. and also because I think he wanted to be an IndyCar driver. I think it would have been cool if he would have been in NASCAR. I think it would have been an awesome thing because he's a really, really talented race car driver. And then Grosjean, um, who in a lot of ways is like Bourdais, um, under, in, in, in his best times, underrated, a uh, lot of potential. Uh, probably pushed too hard and uh, wrecked a lot of cars in the process. Uh, Bourdais, I don't think, was given a fair shake, but then that's Red Bull and Toro Rosso, so it is what it is there. Um, but I do believe he's going to have 
an interesting year. Of course, driving for Rick Ware is its own separate thing, which, um, Tom, you don't know the whole thing with Rick Ware, but um, Josh and I do. And uh, so we will see if the wheels stay on the car uh, on a week-to-week basis with um, Roman Grosjean. Um, Speaking of cars and teams that we should be looking at, um, who are some of the drivers that you think, and, and I'll start with you, Josh, who do you look at as somebody that we should be looking at for this 2021 championship as a young, whether it's a young gun, whether it's a veteran or or maybe one of each um, that we should be looking at going into this weekend and in general for this 2021 season. So I think, you know, somebody who should be a, you know, week to week competitor, you know, someone who definitely should be up there is Graham Rahal. And he's had some success in the past, although past couple of years, he's, hasn't had quite the results that he should probably be expecting for somebody of his caliber. And, you know, last year had a sixth place finish in the standings. Uh, hasn't won in a few years since 2017. Um, he's finished, you know, 10th in 2019 and eighth in 2018. So it's been kind of there, but then also um, hasn't quite been up where he needs to be. Like he was in there in 2015 and uh, through 2017. So, think if he's able to kind of improve his uh, results and his performance on you know the ovals and and on the road courses I think he should be a, a better uh, driver than he was last year and maybe some of the success that Takuma Sato has experienced uh, should uh, trickle over to him and then I think you know a young guy to look out for is uh, uh, Alex Pillow in in that car I think um if he's able to in the Chip Ganassi number 10 car, you know, last year he um, didn't really, I mean, he had some races where he was, you know, kind of good, but then for the most part um, wasn't really there, but I think now he's in kind of a top car with Chip Ganassi. So I think if he's able to uh, get help from Scott Dixon, then uh, he, he should be able to improve on, on his uh, resume and, I, I think he's definitely a, a guy who can be really fast. And, uh, you know, I think on the road courses definitely should be someone to look out for. Um, may, maybe he can improve on the three oval races that we're going to have or four oval races that we're going to have this year. But um, that's somebody who's young that I would look out for that we haven't already talked about. And then someone, I guess, maybe in the, the midfield uh, or not the midfield, but I guess towards the back of the pack that maybe we should, keep an eye on for someone who could randomly appear in uh, one race or two uh, is uh, I mean, I mean, I'm going to go with uh, Sebastian Bourdais and the AJ Foyt car. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of success in the past, but AJ Foyt enterprises and the, uh, their cars haven't really been up to speed all that, all that much. And I think if he's able to kind of turn the performance of the team uh, around from where it's been in the past, kind of being the, perennial back marker of IndyCar with a result every now and then where, you know, they finish, uh, I guess, top 10 in, in a race. If they can you know, improve their results to, you know, where they're closer to the top 10 than where they've been in the past, then um, I think that'd be somebody to look out for and be curious to see just how much uh, experience of Sebastian Bourdais and being back in the IndyCar after not really being in one in last year. I think that should be, uh, someone to look out for as well. 
a lot of good picks there. I mean, Palo getting in the 10 car uh, mentioned earlier that outside of Dario and Frankiti and maybe to a lesser extent, the late Dan Weldon, those are the only two guys ever since Scott Dixon uh, took over the nine car at Ganassi Racing uh, that have been able to either compete and in Dario's case, beat uh, Scott Dixon. Uh, Will Alex Pillow, who has Honda's, in a sense, Honda's support. Of course, now that Honda's not going to be in Formula One, maybe that kind of gets muted. Maybe he's going to be here, which is a plus for us because he's a really talented race car driver. Um, what can he do here in the 10 car and the NTT data car, fully funded ride, unlike what he had last year uh, with Coin? Uh, Tom, I'll throw to you in regards to people that you look at. I mean, Josh brought up some great names there. Um, do you have anybody different or do you agree with what he was thinking in regards to some of them, including uh, one that I'm going to mention here uh, on my part before we go into the next topic? Uh, yeah, I agree completely. Uh, the two names that I would add to that list would be, would be Simon Pagano. Uh, X Series champion, not even been in the conversation at all yet, which is uh, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, and um, looking for a, a strong second season after a um, bit crashy but uh, but interesting first season. Rinas VK, I think if he can if he can um, take it up a level, he can he can be in the conversation for certainly race wins. Um, I think he got a, got a pole last year, didn't he? And uh, uh, no wins, but. Uh, but he's certainly shown that when he's not crashing, he can uh, he can be uh, he can be fighting up there with the best as well. So they would be the only two names that I would really throw in there. And again, we've not really spoken about Will Power particularly, but uh, but he's obviously another name that that needs to be in the conversation as well. But it's just it's phenomenal that all these names are just people that we're saying are people that could you know could win the championship uh and you've you know this as i've said so many times just so much depth of uh, talent all through the field so it's uh it's a testament to the series really yeah the depth of this field is insane uh to think about then it kind of goes back to what we were talking about getting out of q1 uh to even be able to get out of q1 on a road course this year and they're going to be running a couple new courses here they should be running coda since formula one more than likely isn't going to be going there anytime soon uh hopefully penske gets that right um they hedged with nascar uh this year um in part because texas is going to lose a date thankfully uh so they're going to run coda this year but i think indycar should be there um they're not going to have canada right now at least for now so you know that might be an option uh, you know running another Indianapolis road course. Nobody really wants to see that, but in terms of this field, how deep it is, uh, you know, four car Penske team power who's on the end of his career, basically. And Pagino, who's never going to get fired because he won uh, John Menard, uh, an Indy 500 and uh, Green Rehaul. As uh, Josh uh, mentioned earlier, somebody that um, really is is somebody that could take if he could take that step forward now that he's a dad, um, Harlan's dad, 
uh, if he can really go and and take a step forward and and show some of the prowess and some of the potential that he's had for God knows how many years, 15 years, um, it would be a big, big positive for this sport, big positive for the series. Um, another person, I mean, you have Ed Jones who's going to be running the full-time schedule with the seal master car and he's had his moments um you know you've got polo as uh, josh said you talk about pagino as tom said and then there and and renis of course he he wrecked a car at indy at in the in the testing but dude is um one of the best young talents that we've seen in a long time and uh, has a lot of support. Uh, Ari Harry Lunatic is a supporter and a coach and the whole bit. So he has a lot of backing in that sense. He has sponsorship. And Ed Carpenter ain't going to get rid of him as much as Joey Rex cars. You know, he's, he's a good driver. Um, you know, New Garden wreck cars too. And he had that kind of talent. So he's not going to rid of Renus anytime soon. And I look at another driver that'll be at Ed Carpenter Racing, and mainly because I mean I've always, I've been a fan of his for a while, not just because his dad's cool, but because Connor Daly has a mullet, and um, his mullet is majestic, and I think it's going to give him extra downforce, and hopefully it'll lead to a win. Um, if, if Ed Carpenter had any intelligence, he'd just go and have a third car anyway for himself, but he doesn't want to do that in his quote, infinite wisdom and quote, uh, because Ed Carpenter, when you consider there's only four oval races this year, what's the point of having wasting a ride there, but Hey, is what it is. He owns a car, I guess. Uh, I mean, I look at this. And in terms of full season, you know, I, I don't really look at some of these other guys that are out there. I, I am looking at some of the guys that will be, uh, you know, running the uh, Indianapolis 500 only and Monter Juan Pablo Monterrier, you know, being – uh, the most interesting one. He hasn't run the Indy 500 since 2017. He's a two-time winner. He's one of the best open-wheel drivers has ever been. He's one of the best race car drivers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, for Tom, I mean, the fact is he's one of the only people that made Tom, Michael Schumacher actually work. Uh, in terms of for us and for Josh, I mean, between the Indy car. I don't know how much of it you saw in regards to his cart career, but in regards to his IndyCar career, once he came back to IndyCars, he was able to assimilate from driving stock cars to IndyCars relatively quickly, win races, win an Indy 500, probably should have won a championship when he was out of shape because he's fat and he was still able to fit in a car and he was still able to do it. And now he's won a sports car championship in IMSA for Penske. And now he's going to drive for Arrow McLaren in a um, in a throwback to Peter Revson uh, this year, uh, which is cool. Uh, former Indy 500 pole sitter, former sports car Formula One driver, Peter Revson of the Revlon family and the whole thing there. So that's pretty cool. Um, 
the last topic we'll do here in regards to IndyCar is who should be, who should we be on the hot seat in a sense? Who are we looking at as somebody that needs to perform this year or else they might be in trouble considering Indy Lights is in a much healthier state than it's ever than it's been in a long time. You've got Indy Pro 2000. You got guys like Oliver Askew that's a super silver, which is insane. And he probably got hosed by um, Arrow McLaren, Schmidt, Peterson, and Associates uh, last year, you know, like, and other people like that. Who should we be looking at as drivers that have to perform this year to keep their ride? Um, I'm going to throw to you first, Tom. Uh, well, I think um, you've, uh, you, you look at the older field, we talk about the depth of talent in this field and, and some, some of the older people in there, you've got uh, Takuma Sato well into his 40s and then obviously you've got Will Power and even Scott Dixon well into their 40s. Uh, Tony Kanaan, um, don't think he's doing a full full season this year, but considering that we've got a rookie in Jimmy Johnson also in his 40s, it's uh, it's just insane really. But uh, uh, yeah, so... Uh, Beyond like the old guard with uh, say Ryan Hunter Ray as well, um, I think you've got. Uh, I don't know. Is is Charlie Kimball doing a full a full year this year? I'm not. No, I don't no, think. I he is, think no. he's just doing Indy and mm. maybe a couple other races. Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got him. Uh, uh, a bit of a fan favorite, James Hinchcliffe. Hopefully, he can um, he can perform this year. Uh, but uh, beyond say the older guard and those uh, and those people. Uh, I, th- I think it's uh, it, as I say, it, it's, it's going to be it's going to be difficult to say. Really, it's um, as you say with, with Indy Lights restarting this year. There's going to be a whole depth of new young talent wanting to come through into that, um, and uh, you've got. It seems to be a very attractive series at the moment that people want to come to. So when you've got people like Grosjean coming in from Formula One, are you going to see Fernando Alonso wanted to come and have another crack but go for a full season? Uh, are you going to you're going to see other people under pressure um, from from other motorsports wanting to try their hand at, at IndyCar. So it, it's is it going to be the youngsters coming in or people coming in, big names coming in from other series? Because I know the series could use a few more big names um, just to just to raise its its profile abroad a bit more. And it certainly is becoming much more popular. Uh, certainly over my way, a lot more people now watch IndyCar than did five years ago, which is which is good for the sport. But uh, what's what's better for the sport bringing the youngsters through or bringing the big names in it's a it's uh it's an argument definitely worth having but uh yeah it's uh it's going to be fun finding out yeah and there's i was just looking at the grid for indy light you have robert mcginnis and kyle kirkwood who are driving for andretti autosport along with devlin de francesco all three of those guys have had kind of a world view things they've been in europe they've been here and they're with andretti so you figure they usually are the ones that win the championship uh you have alex peroni who's with carlin you have david malukas and stingray rob who are also guys that are american drivers uh talented toby Sowery for yunkos um I mean, you got some guys here. You have European drivers, uh, uh, Scandinavian drivers. It, it's a deeper field in Indy Lights, and Indy Pro 2000 is very uh, 
is deep as well. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot more talent. You know, the F2000 championship is also uh, uh, deep. So there's, I mean, you got Enzo Fittipaldi in the Indy Pro 2000, Hunter, or Hunter McElroy, um, Flynn Lazier, so Buddy Lazier's son, Braden Eaves. Artem Petrov. I mean, there, there's a lot of names here uh, in regards to the talent that exists within the American motorsports uh, pipeline. And IndyCar, there's only really, uh, you know, 24 seats, or I mean, not even, uh, that are because there's only 24 that are funded with the whatever the like the way there's charter system and nascar cup series they have the leader circle program and after that you need to bring money so i mean there's that there's something to look at in regards to indycar and we're gonna go and um look at that i think the last thing we do before we get into formula one um, I know it's early. We haven't had a practice. I mean, we've had some testing for sure, but um, I think we could do a little early picks in regards to what are we thinking for a pole sitter and a winner here at uh, Baba, as uh, Lee Diffie would like to say. For me, I'm going to go and start, and I am going to take the – See, I have to go back here. I'm going to go and look at this right here. And I am going to take Pato Award, and I'm going to be a mark, full mark, sellout. I'm going to be a mark that he's going to win his first IndyCar race in the season opener um, on Sunday. In regards to who will win pole, I think the pole sitter will be Joseph Newgarden because he is a uh, specialist at uh, at Barber Motorsports Park. He's done a lot of his work there um, in his great career. Um, Josh, how about you in regards to pole sitter and winner for this weekend at uh, Barber? Yeah, I think for this race weekend, I'm going to roll with uh, Takuma Sato winning the pole. Uh, he won the pole in 2019, uh, the last time that they ran this race, and I see no reason why they can't do it again. Uh, and I think for race winner, uh, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. You know, he's got to definitely make a statement uh, type of win where he starts out the year with the win and has that leg in the fight against uh, Scott Dixon. So. Uh, it would be really good for him for him to win and beat uh, Scott Dixon at least in the first race. So um, we'll see how that goes. How about you, Tom? What are you thinking for this weekend's race? Uh, I reckon we're going to have, uh, I've, as you say, New Garden is a bit of a specialist around here. So I think he's probably going to put it on pole. Uh, and I'm going to go for a surprise winner. I'm going to go for Felix Rosenquist for surprise winner. Yeah, the former Formula E standout for Mahindra Racing. For me, as a fan of Mahindra Racing, as a brown guy, um, he's a guy that probably has uh, been undersold. I think Ganassi wanted him. 
to be better or whatever. I don't know what it is. Um, I think they want, he wanted Rosenquist a long time before he got Rosenquist. And then once he got him, it, the combination didn't work. And then Rosenquist knew he was probably going to get dropped. So he went and said, no, I'm not going to get dropped. I'll just go to McLaren and kind of hedge because McLaren has their hands in so many different things. He's like, oh, maybe I can get a Formula One ride somehow in the process or if I do well in an Indy car. And so it makes sense. I think Rosenquist with a lot more looser uh, situation could be in a great spot here, considering the talent he's shown over his career. We'll transition into Formula One with the um, Chicken Parmesan Grand Prix this weekend, which is basically um, Sir Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen and then everybody else. Um, I think, I mean, based on what they did last fall, I don't think they made any changes in regards to DRS zones. I don't think they've made any real changes in regards to tire selection, tire choices and uh, compounds. I don't think the race is going to be very interesting. I think the race is going to basically be determined on Saturday, uh, which was the norm for 20 plus years at San Marino when they had the race there in, in its heyday. Uh, I look at, uh, I mean, I, I guess we'll start with this in regards to the Max and Lewis battle, Tom, uh, this is going to go on the whole way. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not going to have 23 races as it was originally laid out. Basically, there's no way that all 23 races and 23 different whatever is going to happen. But if they have 23 races, this is race two. In regards to this dynamic between Mercedes and Red Bull, Sir Lewis Hamilton versus uh, Max Verstappen. How do you see is does this has a feel to me? It has the feel of 94 a bit, you know, like you have Max Verstappen threw away, you know, the opportunity to win that race. Red Bull and Max Verstappen threw away that race in a sense, kind of like Williams threw away Brazil in 94. And then, of course, other stuff happened to where we got to Imola um, and what happened there. But there's this, there's a struggle here. And the difference is they're both going to be able to get through this the whole way. Um, can Mercedes, has Mercedes made the adjustments necessary to their car on the back end so that they're more stable, so that they can qualify better? Is Red Bull going to still have that pace advantage? Are they actually going to give the Sergio Perez a car that won't have problems? It would be a novel concept. I think that's something we'll talk about in a minute. But um, in terms of Lewis versus Max, what are you looking for this week? Well, I think uh, for for the season, it's going to ebb and flow, absolutely, as, as you say. Um, I think um, the difference this year compared to any other year, you, any other year you would say, well, Mercedes will just will just develop the way out of the problems, but they've got to have one eye on next year. They've got the, the budget cap to, uh, to, to take into account as well. So there's going to be 
a lot more challenges than, than they're used to and they're going to be desperate to not fall behind for next year so I think they, they could potentially sacrifice uh, the Constructors' Championship this year to Red Bull uh, and potentially even the drivers to to allow them to be in a in a stronger position next year when the new rule set comes in. I think Red Bull are throwing everything at this. Um, they, they've managed to somehow get the uh, get Formula One to agree to a, to uh, to the engine freeze, which is which is going to put them in a position where they're um, they they're not going to have to worry about developing that engine. And it looks it looks like Honda are finally finally created an engine that can that can match or potentially even beat the Mercedes so that could put Red Bull in good stead for next year so but they're going to throw everything at winning this championship so I can see Mercedes switching off a little bit early um, and potentially just hoping that Hamilton's talent can take him through to the championship I think say championship wise you're saying um, I completely agree I don't think the 23 race calendar as it is now will happen. I do think we'll get a 23 race calendar, but it won't be what we've got right here. I know we've got Canada's looking unlikely that that might be cancelled and that Istanbul Park is currently on uh, on standby. Um, and uh, I know that they, they're not against going back to Bahrain, you know, as, as many times as is necessary. So we might see a, 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 a renewed Sakir Grand Prix later on in the season if something happens there. Um, there's there's lots of other tracks that will be willing to step in. I know they don't want to do double headers again this year, but I can see they want to get that 23 race calendar in. And if they're in a position where they've got 20, 21, 22 races, and then they a couple of double headers towards the end of the season will get them up to that 23, I think they'll do that. With regards to Imola specifically, yes, again, you're right. It's all about qualifying. Um, I think the thing that um, concerns me from a competitive standpoint is that that Red Bull was so much quicker than Mercedes last week out uh, or last, last race out uh, and in the race Verstappen was losing two and a half three tenths a lap in the early stages of the race which allowed Hamilton to just keep him keep him in check he had a better strategy in that they didn't use up all their tires in practice their hard tires which meant that they had more strategic options in the race uh, and not that I think it made a huge difference to the way things played out, but with uh, with Perez not not quite being up there with them as well, that does put a question mark on the reliability for Red Bull as well. But all all things working correctly, given that this track suits Red Bull more than Mercedes anyway, I think you you can't look behind you look, can't look past Red Bull for for the win. Uh, I'm not going to commit as to which driver because Max Verstappen hasn't finished the last three races in Italy, so it's uh, it's there's a potential of uh, some some bad luck and hoodoo coming in there. Uh, I I do think Perez has got a chance of winning this race, um, but can you know it's the, the subplot is really going to be can Hamilton drag that Mercedes up to where the Red Bull is which is uh, which is an interesting change from what we're used to in recent years so I'm looking forward to it from that sense um but certainly as a racing spectacle it's going to be um a return to the to the uh, to the 90s way of uh you know um let's go to the pit stops and see what happens at the pit stops and there's probably not going to be an awful lot of overtaking unless we have a safety car on George Russell's leading at the time then you know we might have some action then but uh, apart from that yeah we're not going to have a vast amount but I'm looking forward to see the how the strategic battle plays out and if Red Bull can shoot themselves in the foot once again yeah I want to see Red Bull shoot themselves in the foot because it's just fun between the three stooges that they have running their program but um, and I don't want to see George have a problem because I'm, a, I'm basically an underground George Russell fan. Uh, I'm hoping that he ends up 
uh, joining the big club here in football parlance uh, for Tom's uh, sake and, and go and learn from the great one and then take over and kind of carry on the tradition as he had showed at the Sakir Grand Prix uh, before he got completely sabotaged. Uh, Josh, to you in regards to Red Bull and um, Mercedes, McLaren, Mercedes, uh, I mean, I think this this thing is really going to be determined on Saturday. I won't even be able to watch qualifying. I'll be able to watch a race, but uh, in regards to this qualifying, it's going to be very difficult. There's going to be traffic issues. Um, Max, of course, had the pace advantage in qualifying a few weeks ago. What are you looking at in regards to that battle itself? And I think separately in regards to the overall Mercedes and Red Bull battle. Yeah, I think for qualifying this coming Saturday, uh, obviously with uh, Red Bull, I mean, they've had really good pace at Bahrain. And if they can continue that pace at Imola, that'd be really great for them. Um, I think it's going to be very important to have a good qualifying session and to get pole or get second because the winner for Imola this Sunday is likely to be from one of those two positions. You know, last year, Lewis qualified second, but you know he led uh, almost the entire race and won that one. Uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas last year led like a handful of laps. So I think whoever qualifies first or second is likely you know to be the ones that control the race. So uh, Red Bull, if they if they qualify on pole, I would you know expect them. You know, to go out and win on Sunday, um, or at least be in contention for the victory. And then for Mercedes, if they're able to keep up with uh, Q3 and Q2, if they can uh, get to the uh, end of those and and make it out, uh, I think that'd be uh, excellent for them. Um, I mean, Lewis Hamilton you know, last uh, race, I mean, he qualified second, and Valtteri Bottas was in third. But, I mean, the Red Bull was just so much faster. So, I mean, I would expect them to qualify um, behind the Red Bulls. But, uh, you know, when it goes to the race weekend, um, just how much are they going to have to strategize um, and how, you know, the, maintaining the gap, I guess, between themselves and the Red Bull, I think that's going to be an interesting challenge on Sunday. If they get too far behind, then it's Red Bull's uh, race, whether that's Checo Perez or Max Verstappen. But you know, if uh, they keep up and maintain that gap and they use the strategy correctly and then they're able to somehow pressure, uh, you know, Red Bull into mistake uh, through their strategy, then I think, you know, maybe they'll have a chance at winning on Sunday. But it should be interesting to see, like, what they do in qualifying, what their approach is going to be, and uh, just if they're going to have enough pace to kind of measure themselves against Red Bull. Yeah, it's going to be a tough race this weekend for sure. Uh, not a lot of overtaking. And I think that's where we'll transition into the midfield. Uh, the fact is McLaren, I think, is in that in-between zone of being trying to go and compete with the top two teams, but they're not just there yet. But they're at the top of the midfield, even though they're not really the midfield. Um, they're in their own kind of zone. Then you have Toro Rosso, or 
I mean, Alpha Tori, sorry, I'm, I went back one of their iterations. Uh, Alpha Tori, you have uh, the Alpine, you have Aston Martin. Um, who am I forgetting? Um, help me out here. Because there's like four teams, three, four teams there. They're completely forgettable, but you got Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, season. yeah, them too. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are from Italy. Um, uh, yeah, you have Ferrari who have a better power unit uh, this year, and you have um, their uh, team principal Bonato going and talking about how they're better, but they're going to be even better in twenty two. Uh, so yeah, you know when it comes to this midfield battle, that's five teams uh, in its own right, along with the two uh, top teams right now. Uh, I'll start with you, Josh. Who do you look at in regards to those 10 drivers? I mean, as somebody who could go and possibly sneak that podium, if it isn't a Red Bull or a Mercedes car, who do you look at as the most likely driver to go and get that podium? And yeah. somebody that could surprise out of that uh, midfield battle. So, I mean, going off of last year's result at uh, Imola, I mean, with McLaren, you know, you said it right. They're in kind of that in-between stage between midfield and uh, contender with uh, Red Bull and uh, Mercedes. I mean, I would say they're almost there kind of graduating out of that midfield stage. And, you know, last year with Ricardo or Ricardo, he finished uh, – third and got podium at Imola. So um, I can see it for him getting that podium uh, this weekend. So if he's able to replicate that result and kind of lean back on that experience from, you know, the previous year, uh, definitely can see him get onto the podium. Um, I mean, Lando Norris has also been quick. Uh, You know, he finished uh, or he was on seventh in the grid in that uh, last week or the last race at uh, Bahrain. And then, in the race, uh, he, he got fourth, so that could definitely be a um, potential for him to uh, sneak a podium, uh, if it's possible. Um, I mean, I, I think you know other guys that you might want to look out for. I mean, Alfatori. I mean, they've been pretty quick too, uh, in some respects. And I think Yuki Sonoda. We saw what he did um, at Bahrain. Uh, look to see like what can he do again uh, this weekend if. If he can get in points once again, I think that that would be an interesting uh, subplot to follow. Um, Carlos Sainz or uh, Charles Leclerc, like if they either of those guys can get points and kind of finish in the same area that they did uh, the previous race, I think uh, that's another storyline to follow. Um, I mean, we look at some of these other guys like Lance Stroll. Um, I mean, he could get points, but I mean, we don't, we don't really care about Lance Stroll. I mean, he's, he's an also ran, um, Sebastian Vettel, does he improve upon his result from, you know, the first race and maybe score his first points of the year? I mean, those are kind of the storylines that you got to look at. And then, you know, I think the rest of the field, um, kind of speaks for itself. You know, they'll finish wherever they finish, um, whether that's outside of the points or maybe somebody that we haven't mentioned, like, you know, maybe Pierre Gasly pulls something out or, um, Alonso, maybe maybe he gets points. I mean, he DNF'd at uh, Bahrain, so maybe he gets a better result to start his year. So um, a lot of uh, interesting stuff 
once again this year in the midfield. He brought up two names there, and I'm going to send those to Tom. I mean, Gasly, who's a Bahrain specialist, uh, and he had a good run. You have Yuki Sonoda, who is the basically the, you know, the for all intents and purposes, the rookie of the year uh, in waiting and um, the revelation in regards to Formula One this year. Uh, probably the best Japanese talent that's ever been in Formula One. Uh, no offense to Takuma Sato, two-time Indy 500 champion, but um, that Toro, the Alpha Tori team, very good car. Uh, Honda power unit, very good as well, uh, trying to perform at a higher level. And that team is punching above its weight. And then you have Fred Alonso, who, of course, keeps on saying, I'm waiting for 2022. But those are three drivers I think that we really need to look at because Danny Kvyat went and got a fourth place or a podium or whatever he did. They were fourth place last year in this race. Um, and, and, you know, Ricardo, of course, got a podium. So in its own right, if those guys, and you consider there might be better drivers in those cars, in theory, um, would uh, you think that one of those guys has a chance to go and sneak that podium over a Checo or a Valtteri Botas? I think, uh, as you say, we, we've got the Mercedes and the Red Bull uh, way out in front. Uh, I think McLaren, I don't see them as in the as in that, you know, what the perennial Red Bull spot has been for the last few years up until this year, or up until last year, rather, where they're just kind of ahead of everyone else, but behind the top two. I don't see them as quite in that position yet. I think things worked out for them, worked out for them in Bahrain. Um, but I'd, I'd say Ferrari looking stronger, still not where they should be. As you say, AlphaTauri looking particularly strong in testing. Uh, but I'd, I'd think that with the uh, with, with the lineup there, Gasly has shown that he's he's been strong. Sonoda is um, is definitely exciting young talent. But you put Sonoda on track in in Bahrain, where you've got postcodes of runoff. And then you put him on Imola, a tight street circuit, or not street circuit, but a tight circuit that he's he's not going to be used to used to driving on, probably never driven on in his in his life. Uh, to then, if he's going to be doing those do or die overtakes like he was in Bahrain, then I can I can see him being the first retirement or to, or ruining someone's race in turn one. Um, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I think he's he's definitely got that raw talent, but uh, but you know you've. You'll see, you'll see him do very well to start with, and then, uh, and then he'll probably tail off a little bit, and then come back stronger towards the end of the season. Um, so I don't see him as being a factor for the podium, despite how good that Alfatori is looking. Um, Gasly needs to uh, needs to sort his racecraft out a little bit after his uh, his indiscretion at the weekend. Uh, he's uh, he can be a little bit aggressive at times, um, so I can see. Uh, uh, hopefully, he's he kind of reins that in a little bit, and then just performance to the performance of the car rather than uh, trying to impress the bosses that he's never going to get back in that Red Bull car. He just needs to kind of know his lot and then make the best of his situation and hopefully he'll get picked up by a big team at the end of the year because uh, let's face it, he's going to be out of a seat at the end of the year. Um, 
which rightly or wrongly, I can see him just, just being potentially even dropped out of Formula One. I can't see him staying at uh, AlphaTauri beyond this season. Um, Alpine are an interesting prospect uh, with, say, Alonso and Ocon. I do think Ocon is, uh, is going to be close to Alonso this season. I think it's going to be a, a close battle between those two. Uh, Alonso not quite where he was five years ago and Ocon second season in that car you know in the Renault you've seen uh, Hulkenberg Ricardo all struggling when they first came into that car and there's no doubting those people's talents so um, I, uh, I I don't know why you haven't mentioned Nikita Mazepin as a potential podium finisher for this race but uh, he's definitely no no he's, he's not even gonna make the finish but, but uh, hopefully Mick Schumacher can uh, can just uh, at least you know, try and not finish a few laps down. That's kind of really the target for them. Um, Williams with their with their peaky downforce setup that they've they've gone for this year, they're uh, they're going to want to try and uh, capitalise. And although this is not going to be a track that's going to suit overtaking, it is going to be a track that's going to have potential issues. The track limits are the track, so if you're off the track, you're in the gravel. Um, so you could potentially you could potentially see some uh, some safety cars and some crazy crazy things happening as we saw last year with the with the results last year. You know, seeing um, Daniel Kvyat in fourth place and Charles Leclerc in fifth. Uh, and obviously uh, a Renault on the podium, uh, three outlying results there. So uh, it's, there's there's definitely a potential for something to happen. Um, but uh, midfield wise, I, th- I would say I would say my money is on McLaren to be the best of the rest. But it's not going to be as cut and dry as it looked in in Bahrain. I think there were other circumstances at play which allowed them to look like they were uh, they were ahead of the midfield when actually it's pretty pretty close. It's not a midfield; it's just a field. I got to give you credit, Tom. You went and uh, got me right there in the gut with the egghead comment there and Kooten Haas um, reference there since uh, they probably wouldn't have been mentioned in this particular podcast since uh, they suck. And um, he's a Russian asset and he probably is around to go and murk somebody since he can't drive a race car. Um, it's a shame for uh, Mick Schumacher that he drives for such a horrible race team. But um, it kind of is par for the course since we're going to talk about that before or once you're um, once you get out of here because we're going to talk about NASCAR and how bad the Stuart Haas racing NASCAR team is right now. Uh, but. Yeah, Formula One, we got Formula Three. I think is going to have their season opener this this week. I have to go and see here. Yeah, Formula E, uh, Formula yeah, it's just Formula One this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, Formula E starts a bit later on, I think. Sorry, Formula 3 starts a bit later yeah. on, I think. Yeah, because they're, they're separated and they split seasons and the whole bit and they're trying to mess things up and mess with people and whatever and uh, the fact of the matter is, um, I think this race weekend is just going to be a bore fest. I mean, Prince Philip, uh, God rest his soul, he'll be uh, laid to rest. And they're adjusting the times for all the sessions based on everything that's going on with that. Uh, but in its own right, they're going to run this week at Imola. And uh, I... 
honestly think, I mean, it makes me ill, but um, Verstappen will close um, in this spot and he'll finally get through his, whatever his um, dock that he has in Italy uh, and get that and get back on track in regards to uh, momentum kind of tie uh, with uh, Lewis because I figure Lewis will uh, be on the podium right behind him. Uh, in regards to who I think will finish third, I think um, I'm going to pick uh, – I'm, I'm between two guys here, and I want to go with the home game, but I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly. I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly to finish third in uh, the Parmigiano-Reggiano Grand Prix. And um, in terms of pole, I think Max Verstappen wins pole, wins race, whatever. Um, Josh, how about you in regards to picks? So I think for the race, uh, I would pick uh, Max Verstappen to win. Um, I think they've got the pace right now. and based on how Imola races, I mean, I see no reason unless they make a catastrophic error, which could happen, but I think they'll learn from their past mistakes uh, at Bahrain. I think they'll end up winning the race for him. Uh, And then second, uh, Lewis Hamilton. And then third, um, I mean, I already said it, I think uh, Daniel Ricciardo finished third uh, for uh, McLaren, and that's what I think will happen. And for you, Tom, what are your picks for this weekend's race at uh, Imola? Um, I, I, I'll go with the same predictions that I went for on my podcast, which uh, was actually a surprise Sergio Perez win. Uh, I, I think something's going to happen with, uh, with Verstappen again. Uh, so I, I would go, I'll go with Sergio Perez. Um, which I would and take then- yeah, it's good. I hope for him. I hope so. Um, and then I think it's 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 boring, but it's probably going to be Hambot um, second and third. Uh, I hope it's not. I hope we get a surprise podium sitter uh, and one of those two drop out uh, or certainly drop, drop down a few places at least. Anyway, um, but uh, one thing's for sure: it's not it's not going to be one of the uh, one of the Alfa Romeos or the Aston Martins. I think they're just going to be back there uh, forming the uh, the. The train as you know, people looking back over their shoulders and waving at the house cars. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 between those uh, those six teams really. Um, so yeah, I, I'll I'll go with that. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll take Checo winning uh, to go and make Max or stop and sweat a little bit. Um, make him probably go and throw a bitch fit just like his dad would. And the difference is his dad would crash into half the field, but. Max used to crash into half the field. Now he just goes and runs into, uh, he goes and sits there and watches while, um, uh, what the hell, Christian Horner and uh, what's her face going fuck. So um, with that, I'm going to say to Tom, thank you, of course, for coming on and coming on at this ungodly time. We got, kicked off in the middle of it you had to go through all kinds of crap in the process so i thank you for your patience and um the fact is uh monkey see podcast 
covers not only Formula One, but IndyCar, e-racing, a lot of different series. Uh, let us know where we can find you. Let us know where we can follow you and and everything with with the show. Cool. Yeah. So as as you say, thanks for the plug there. We uh, we cover Formula One, uh, but we also cover IndyCar, Formula E, Extreme E as well. And then we do the support formulas, Formula Two and Formula Three. Um, and then whatever else is in the news, we're going to be looking at W Series as well, whether we cover it in, in as much depth as the others. Uh, not sure, but we're definitely going to look at it. Uh, and anything else that, that crops up, we, we, we tend to talk about as well, whatever whatever tickles our fancy at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find us um, on the socials at Monkey Seat Pods, uh, most active on Twitter. Uh, and then you've got uh, the website is www.monkeyseatpod.com. Uh, we're available on all major podcasting platforms, say your, your Spotify, your iTunes, wherever you get them, just search for the Monkey Seat Podcast and you'll find us. We're on YouTube. We do a live stream most weeks, depending on if we have guests or not. Uh, and uh, it's great. We want people to get involved. So, so yeah, get in touch. And uh, thank you for having me on as well. It's been a blast. I'd love to stay for longer. Um, a, because I haven't got to be at work for another couple of hours yet, and it kind of gives me something to do. Uh, but I just know next to nothing about uh, tin tops and sports cars, so there would be literally no point me being there. I'd just be sitting there with uh, a blank face wondering who are these people you're talking about so yeah thanks a lot for your time and uh, and, and thanks for entertaining my my opinions as well it's been a, it's been a blast no no problem man uh, i'm glad that between george and the whole crew with the the grid talk podcast we've been able to collaborate and I uh, i hope that this continues because honestly it's part of the reason why i continue doing this because I've been struggling, uh, Josh knows it, with work and other things. And the fact is it's because of guys like yourself and George and Josh and the whole bit that keep me going. Because racing right now in its own right is a struggle for as much as I love it. But the fact is the fact that having people that have that passion and friends and want to go and talk about this stuff and ungodly times of day and night and morning uh, makes it more interesting. And the fact that your cat just randomly walks through in the middle of your recording is great too. So I'm looking forward to when I go and do my hit uh, or Josh, because I know Josh would be up for it and he could give you some sim racing information too. I figure F1 2020 or 2021 is going to happen here soon enough with him because he's the kind of guy that could probably go and do that i kind of want to see that uh i want him to start recording against tm at marduk or uh, jimmy broadband because they'd probably go and lose their mind um which would be great for follower uh for followers for us but uh we'll we'll get there when we get there i figured josh has that sim set up ready for that but um Tom, thank you so much, and thanks to your uh, significant other and everybody for and for you for freaking three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't do it. I, I there's no amount of I, unless there are some things that were on the line or some certain favors that were going on. I couldn't do it. So, um, God bless you on that. Thank you for coming on. Uh, follow the monkey podcast uh they're great 
they're a great crew over there and hit up your pod your hit up your co-host let's go and get the co-host uh a handle in there too. To, what's his Twitter handle? Well, what's your Twitter handle? Well, Carl's not actually on any form of social media, so that's why wow, it always falls to me great. to do it all. So uh, uh, yeah, he came off social media. So uh, if you if you search for Carl King on LinkedIn, that's the only place you'll find him. But uh, so yeah, just grab grab us from the website or on the, or on the Twitter no. handle. Carl Carl's uh, old school. He doesn't want anyone to know he exists. Exactly. Um, but Carl and Tom do a great job. They are well-versed in the um, European formula, uh, not only the formula one, two, three. Um, I'm looking forward to the W series as a fan of shift up now with all the women racers we have here in the United States. Uh, You know, I think it's a great platform to go and support not only women racers, but the opportunity for the likes of Jamie Chadwick to go and possibly get that opportunity in Formula One, hopefully one day, uh, to be like Layla Lombardi, to be um, like a Desiree Wilson and possibly be a successful uh, driver in Formula One equipment. So thank you so much, Tom, for your time. Uh, God bless. And uh, we'll be in touch probably during the weekend. Uh, probably be hitting you up during the Saturday qualifying. So you can let me know that Max was stopping one pole. But either way, um, hopefully there is something interesting behind that uh, because I know Imola is not exactly the most interesting thing. Uh, thank you for your IndyCar takes and your Formula One text. And we'll be um, in touch in terms of being on monkey seat and uh forever whatever else we'll probably figure out a way to have a party one of these days once covid once we're able to fly out there and really have a real party and we'll go and hang out and go to the british grand prix or some crap or british touring car championship race because you haven't been with tintop race and we should just get drunk and then we can just watch them wreck each other (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a plan to me definitely all right brother thank you so much thanks Thanks a lot cheers guys bye and uh, that is Tom Horks for the Monkey Seat Podcast. And uh, we'll go to NASCAR and uh, that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, getting yet another short track win at Martinsville, Josh. Um, there was a time when Martin Truex did not have a short track win. Uh, and it wasn't that long ago. And now, I mean, of course, when you consider there's only really three short tracks and now there's only five paved short track races um, on the Cup Series calendar. But Martin Truex is the first repeat winner. James Small, who is as foul-mouthed as they come. uh, Two-time winner this year. Of course, they only won one race last year. And people were talking about what the heck's going on with Martin Truex when the guy couldn't win for years. Uh, I mean, he passed Hamlin. Hamlin has been the best driver over this entire year as a just in general, but he hasn't been able to close just yet. You figure it's a matter of time and might happen this weekend for that matter. But 
Uh, what were your thoughts on the Martinsville race that took place on um, Sunday? Yeah, the race, I mean, it wasn't that uh, eventful for the first part of it. The first two stages were, you know, kind of lackluster. Um, you know, not really a lot happened. I mean, we've seen Ryan Blaney go out and lead uh, a good chunk of the first two stages, but then the third stage, you know, there's a lot of cautions, a lot of wrecks. Um, we had the red flag. Daniel Suarez was on fire. Uh, definitely the, I guess, you know, the weenies were definitely getting toasted there at Camping World. Um, you know, Ryan Priest, the hot sauce uh, was definitely on fire. Um, you know, that's pretty crazy for, you know, two two guys, I guess, you know, they had kind of similar sponsors, I guess, be on fire. But, um, you know, then... Uh, it looked like Denny Hamlin might have a chance there at the end, but Martin Truex just came right there at the end and managed to uh, get a run on him and passed him for the win, uh, you know, last 20 laps. And Denny Hamlin, I mean, he led the most laps and probably should have won, but, you know, he said himself, like, after about a good 20 laps or so into a run, it seemed like his car just started to fade. And at the end, Martin Truex just, had the timing right, and he was able to go out and pass uh, Danny Hamlin there. And I mean, we keep saying, you know, Martin Truex has never won on this type of track, and you know, he's 0 for 80 or whatever. And I mean, his first couple of wins in Bush series were on short tracks, so it's not like he's not an expert at short tracks. But I guess whatever reason, you know, he just I mean, there was a good chunk of his career where he didn't win at all. So I mean, there's that too. Um, you know, so I I don't really buy into the trope of oh you know poor Martin Truex Jr. You know that seems seems like you know Rick Allen you know the worst uh, announcer in NASCAR lead announcer for NBC you know keeps he spoke that one into existence now that seems like it's followed along everywhere he's goes oh it's Martin Truex first win here since whatever and or he's like it's the um, adversity or whatever I don't know I but uh, it's I'm not trying to hate him Martin Truex Jr. just um. Um, that's the trope that seems to follow when, whenever he wins. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he came out, won the race. And so I think the question for him is, uh, is this going to be his only win, um, this year, uh, in the series? I mean, he won at Martinsville last year and that turned out to be his only win. And this year, does he improve, uh, with, uh, James Small as his crew chief and, um, do they go out and win more races or is this going to be like, where kind of like last year we only only won one race and maybe he's got one or two wins left in the bank for the rest of the year and he kind of becomes the i guess uh also ran at joe gibbs racing uh in behind uh danny hamlin and kyle bush or you know danny hamlin and christopher bell there i mean when you look at the results in um I have to go over here. Give me a second here in regards to how great the NASCAR racing is these days. That's how much I give a crap. Um, Kelly, oh, so looks like uh, Marcus Lemonis is going to be sponsoring the eight car. Look at that. Um, that'll be that'll be great because uh, we'll talk about that. You have Truex, uh, Clyde. Hamlin, who led more than half the race, Byron, and uh, Young Money, who got his best finish in Martinsville, I think. Uh, 
course, he's in a Hendrick car, so it's convenient. Three Hendrick cars in the top five, 48, nowhere to be found. Uh, he was involved in the uh, in the big wreck there uh, with he led laps there. Yeah, he was in the wreck with Brad Keselowski. Um, you know, so the other three Hendrick cars finished in the top five. Logano, Bell, Reddick, Harvick, and Kyle Busch, Ryan Blady won both stages, led the second most laps, had a pit road penalty, gave away the race. Um, Bubba Wallace basically is finishing 16th every week. Uh, the maggot culture people that hate him probably say, What the hell has he got to ride? He's finishing 16th every week. Yeah, yeah. Making more money than them, so yeah, and they think an insurrection is a good thing, and they probably go and bang a central vacuum cleaner. So that's its own and and thing. Um, Oh, Richard, fifteenth, another Bell End, and fourteenth, Chris Busher doing his thing. Matt D. Burrito, Roid Rage, uh, actually finished in the top fifteen. Look at that. Uh, Chastain top 20. Um, James Davison, who's who's a waste. Um, and a lot of he's trending on Twitter, uh, for all the wrong reasons. Um, along with the fact that go, I'm not going to run the new 500, I got a deal in cup. It's like you drive for Rick Ware, uh, you probably should run the new 500. Um, but. That's just like a car. Yeah. Well, he was going to be running a Rick Ware car at Indy anyway. So, whatever. Who cares? The wheel would have fallen off or he'd have, he'd have blown an engine or there's somebody would have left loose or he'd have pissed himself. Some, some crap. Um, well, Alfredo actually beat Briscoe. So, in the rookie battle, um, Alfredo gets one on uh, Chase. Uh, Quinn Huff actually got a top 25 finish, so it is a minor miracle there. Uh, considering seven laps down and he drives the whole entire race as Quinn Huff. I, I mean, you have to start wondering if, if he can actually see or he's functional or if he works with a full deck of cards. I don't think he does because he's he's pretty awful. Um that's about all you can say with the cup series. I, I don't, I really don't know what to say because the, the race wasn't that great. Um, it was basically two drivers, the 11 and the 12, uh, you know, Blaney. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of the point standings, the cup race results, you got race winner. Oh, you won Atlanta. That's right. Sorry. Jeez. I forgot he won Atlanta. That's that's how that's how memorable this season has been. Uh I completely forgot that Ryan Blaney won Atlanta. Um in terms of the points, uh right now, uh Truex, of course, with two wins is the points leader, but um, you know, the actual points leaders and it's Denny Hamlin and he's got 
a 76-point lead on Martin Truex and a 77-point lead on Joey Logano. So, in all honesty, Denny Hamlin's going to win the regular season championship. It's, it's basically a lock. And then you have right now seven different winners so far in eight races. Martin Truex is the first repeat winner of the year. Guys that haven't won that are people you would think that would win. Hamlin, Clyde, Harvick, even though Stuart Haas sucks, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch. So that would theoretically make 12 winners. And after that, you go and look at some of the other guys that are around that have had their moments this year or in general. You got the likes of of um, Bald Spot Dylan, O Richard, Chris Busher, Kurt Bush, um, Bowman, who struggled this year, Nonek, who's been making a run recently, and then you have three guys that are intriguing and or I mean, you get get to five or seven. You have Bubba Wallace, Ryan Priest, Tyler Reddick. D. Burrito, Suarez, Custer. Um, I mean, once you get past really, uh, I mean, basically Ryan Priest, it's going to be very hard as it stands in terms of the current point standings. You're you're asking a lot. It's a lot of points to make up. Um, McDowell is on the bump points wise, but of course because he won the Daytona 500, he's in the playoffs uh something that we will see uh this this stretch that they go on before the olympics is a long stretch and a lot of things are going to be determined during this next few months uh regarding the uh points and where everything stands when they run uh this weekend of course at richmond for the cookout 250, Josh Berry, uh, the late model standout, the defending national champion, advanced auto parts uh, champion in uh, late model racing for uh, junior motorsports and June Bug, his boy, who was hyperventilating and having convulsions, whatever. He was having every, every feeling he could have. The eight car wins at Martinsville on Sunday afternoon prior to the cup race. Uh, he led 95 laps. He it was all basically in the, he led the last of uh, the better part of the last segment, really, outside of, you know, a few laps for, for Curry, Bailey Curry, and uh, Ty Gibbs led uh, 27 lap segment. Uh, he passed him late. It's a big deal for grassroots, uh, short track racers everywhere to see a guy who uh, doesn't have any money, but has the support of an owner, go out there and win an Xfinity race at Martinsville. Of course, he won the. Uh, 300 lapper 
uh, last fall in in his uh, 88 car for Junior Motorsports. Uh, Greg Sin second, Daniel Hemrick third. He led uh, 28 laps. Greg Sin and and uh, Hemrick led uh, stages. Won the stages. Ty Gibbs, Brandon Jones. The top five, so three Gibbs cars in the top five with two junior motorsports cars. Sindrick, six, Harrison Burton, seventh, who led second most laps in the day. Justin Haley, Allgaier, Annette, Jeb Burton. Uh, AJ Almendinger had a battle for multiple laps down to finish third. And you have some other cars that end up getting some stage. A lot of cars got some stage points. I mean, Jeffrey Earnhardt actually got stage points, which speaks a lot to uh, Bailey Curry and J.J. Haley in the first stage. So there is that. Uh, what about Josh Berry going out there and uh, getting a win for the good guys? And for Dale Jr. not being able to function, the fact that his buddy went out there and uh, got a win. Well, I think, you know, for Josh Berry, I mean, I saw a lot of or some of that race. And I mean, when he was in the lead, I wasn't sure he's was going to be there for long. I thought maybe somebody else would take the lead, like, you know, Gregson or uh, Austin Sendrick or somebody like that. And, you know, one of the, you know, full time regulars that we've been accustomed to would win the race and you know it ended up being josh berry going out and winning and it kind of makes sense uh you know when you consider his history at martinsville and the late models i mean he's won there in the past and uh definitely has a, a lot of experience there so it, you know it fits from that perspective but then you know for him you know he's been kind of uh that late model guy just running all the short track races for uh for dale jr in their late model program and he's also been kind of helping out on the driver development side. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't just Dale Jr. that was losing it. I mean, it was basically everybody at Junior Motorsports um, seeing their guy that's kind of been uh, the grinder, I guess, on the short tracks for many years, you know, for over almost 10 years now. And and I think, you know, when he finally won a big race like this, um, really kind of vindicates uh, their belief in him uh, to be able to go out and do that. So um, I think for him, it's uh, awesome. Um, and I think, you know, not only do you have to consider the, the short track aspect and him, his history as a late model driver, but, you know, he met Dale Jr. through iRacing and that's how they initially got connected. So it's also kind of in a way a win for the sim guys too, because uh, I mean, if it wasn't for that connection, I guess, I mean, it, maybe he would have still drove for Dale Jr., but it definitely... Uh, would have been a lot harder to get his attention. Uh, but, you know, since he was able to race with him on RE Racing, um, Dale Jr. is able to, you know, reach out to him and and uh, make him the late model driver. And, you know, over time, it's been able to grow into this opportunity in the Xfinity Series where he's running, you know, part-time in the number eight car, but he's been able to uh, have races like this where he could go out and get wins. Um, and now, now that he's won a race... Maybe we'll we'll see him uh, win a couple more races in this uh, eight car later on this year when he's uh, going to be competing because obviously he's still uh, not a full time driver. Um, so maybe uh, he'll run 
more races than what was planned. Uh, now that he's won, maybe they'll pull together some sponsorship for him. I mean, we've already seen uh, Tire Pro reach out to him and uh, extend their uh, obligations for his sponsorship. I mean, I think they're trying to work out a deal with Camping World with Marcus Lemonis. So um, if that win is able to lead to more opportunities for sponsorship, so he can go outrun, I mean, that would be a good thing. And then maybe it, they can parlay that into a full-time ride uh, going into next season. So, um, I mean, a lot of good things for Josh Berry winning. I mean, it's a lot of vindication and gives a lot of people hope for the people that run, you know, late model cars in the United States and, uh, you know, all the guys that grind it out on short tracks Saturday nights. Uh, this is a win for them as well. So, and, you know, for some of the sim guys that are racing in real life and uh, are able to catch people, uh, catch the attention of people like Dale Jr. So, um, you know, really positive result uh, in the Xfinity series on Sunday. The fact that Josh Berry won is is good for the sport. I I think in general, it also put the wheels in motion, possibly, of Dale Jr. and Kelly deciding to run a Cup program, and in general, I just think. Josh Berry, of course, he's running the first half of the year because Sam Mayer isn't 18 yet. Once Sam Mayer turns 18, he's going to run the car, and he's going to be in that car next year already. But you look at at least a couple of those cars are not really um, set. You know, you think about the drivers and what they are um, and their lack of whatever driving talent in the case of Mike Monette, um, the fact that Noah Gregson's a douche. Um, if you gave Josh Berry a full-time shot and you're able to get some money, like Camping World decides to go and back him, which it sounds like Marcus Lamonis seems to be on board with that. Uh, Tire Pros announced this today that they're going to run an additional two races with Josh Berry. So you look at it, this is what racing is supposed to be about. You go and have a sponsor, uh, and then they're like, oh, we're going to run this many races. Well, he just won, so he's going to get more promotion. So we're going to go run a couple more races. I always remember Matt Kenseth going and moving Tony Stewart at Rockingham back in 98. They were about to close. Robbie Reiser's team was about to close. They had Lycos on the car. And he moved Tony, won that race, battled for the championship that year. Dale Jr. wrecked him at, at Dover, uh, which was basically the difference. I mean, other stuff probably played into it. But really, that was the big turning point when he dumped uh, Kenseth off of two and wrecked him there, and he ended up winning that championship. But Matt Kenseth had the eye of Mark Martin. That whole thing took off. So, I mean, the grand scheme of things, Josh Berry's not, probably not going to come. But since Junior's got all kinds of money, what is it to him to go and, and run a Xfinity program for one of his friends? I think that's really the angle. 
And I think also for the competitiveness of the Xfinity series, considering there really isn't 12 good drivers this year, same way as in cup, there really isn't 16. We can talk about a lot of good guys, but really once you get in the nitty gritty, probably need to limit the amount of drivers. You have eight in trucks, 10 in Xfinity, 12 in cup. You'd have a little bit more intriguing uh, championship battle. Um, if you can win a race and you're an Xfinity regular and you declare for Xfinity points, you should at least be in a position to do something. Of course, Ty Gibbs here later in the year, I think is going to be running a bunch of races. His rivalry with Sam is something that we're going to be watching for a while, but he's not a full-time uh, competitor. Josh Berry's not going to be a full-time competitor, but they both have wins. Um, you know, if Kyle Busch owned his own car, he could theoretically run for it. I mean, of course, he isn't going to run for a championship, but they they should just allow – if he owned his own thing and he built the cars in his shop the same way as he builds the trucks in his shop, probably should allow him to run whatever heck he wants, run as many races as he wants because he's trying to sell sponsorship. But that's its own uh, separate point for another day uh gotta go through the uh moto gp will be running this weekend at algarve uh moto gp and moto three will be running there no moto two so no americans there which is a shame uh moto gp world championship you had the ducatis dominating at Qatar, but Maverick Vinales won the first race. Ducatis were able to come through in the second race. We'll see how that goes um, at Algarve, which is more of a twisty circuit, but has long straights. Uh, you have, you know, the World Challenge in Europe Endurance at Monza. You have European Le Mans at uh, Catalonia, and then Simon's Plains, V8 Supercars uh, Championship, which will be uh, coming up here in a couple of days. Uh, you have uh, Marcus Ambrose, who will be uh, part of uh, the TV lineup uh, for Tasmania Super Sprint, which makes sense since he's from there. Uh, which is uh, cool, and he won two championships in the series. He's one of my favorite drivers ever. And he kangaroo meat, as they called him in NASCAR, but he was a great guy, a total gentleman. Uh, it will be interesting to see what he does uh, on TV there. Uh, the battle for the Red Bull team, who basically is going to win this championship, versus what can uh, Dick Johnson Racing do in response or uh, the Tickford team do in response uh, in regards to the Holdens in their theoretical last year in the championship. Um, we talked about Formula One, talked about IndyCar um, in terms of previewing and picks uh with tom and we made our picks uh we'll go into richmond 
and uh, picks for winner Dark Horse in both uh, Cup and Xfinity. Uh, who are you looking at, Josh, in regards to a winner and a Dark Horse for both? Yeah, I think for the Cup Series, um, I think a winner this weekend, uh, I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin. Uh, he's had a lot of history with winning at Richmond. He's definitely been really good at that place in the past. It's technically his home track uh, when it comes to the Cup Series. And uh, you know, he hasn't closed the deal yet uh, in 2021. I look for him to close the deal this weekend here on uh, at Richmond. So uh, I think a dark horse guy, uh, so that means tough. Uh, a lot of these guys are really good, but you know, I'm going to go with Ryan Newman. Um, he was kind of up there in the top 10 for a bit on Sunday, uh, ended up kind of fading at the end. And, uh, you know, I think he had a, a flat tire there, uh, at the finish, but, uh, he's been kind of good this year. So I could see him getting like a, you know, a top 15 run or a top 20 run here at Richmond. So, that's that's a guy who I'd look out for as a dark horse. And then Xfinity, uh, almost forgotten Xfinity. I think, um, uh, let's see, let me pull up the entry list. But uh, I think, um, well, they're not running this weekend. Oh, sorry, it's Trunks. Yeah. My fault. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fine. Uh, Jennifer Holcomb is actually running the uh cup race at talladega yeah for rick uh, ware which will be convenient yeah she'll um, be she'll probably way. be doing her makeup uh for most of the race and then once most of the field wrecks she'll probably get a top 15 yeah no maybe maybe she'll do that thing where was it there she quit the race and said that uh she shouldn't do start and park or something like that i don't know um at richmond uh for Toyota Care 250 on uh, April 17th. That's on Saturday for the truck series. I mean, this this is an interesting one here, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Sheldon Creed as the winner in the truck series. Um, hasn't won yet. I mean, we run five races now. Um, he's definitely been uh, one of the better drivers in the series. So I'd look for him to pick his first win there uh, on the season. And then I think... Somebody that's a dark horse uh, for this. Um, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with um, Derek Kraus. Um, he's not had the best start this season. Twentieth in the standings, uh, one top ten. But certainly, you know, if there's a place to get a top ten or uh, to have a better finish, it's probably Richmond. And he's been solid in the past, kind of. So uh, look out for him. Uh, you know, maybe a a top 15 type of run for Derek Krause on Saturday. Yeah, for me, I'm just going to go chalk. I'm going to go with Truex. Uh, he's been really good at Richmond recently. I uh, was there uh, when he won at least one race there. I think I might have been there when he won two races. And he's got the knack there, gets another win, tries to put himself in a position to go and win a championship and then choke it in the playoffs like he has done multiple times over recently. Um, 
in regards to a dark horse. Um, well, you have the phone ringing over there in the back since we still have a hard note, a hard line uh, phone here in 2021. Um, looking into the points, I'm trying to go and look at the points because I consider uh, the uh, current situation in regards to somebody who's a dark horse. I mean, you pick no neck. Uh, for me, I'm going to pick. I'm going to end up picking Tyler Reddick. No, I'll pick Tyler Reddick on 16 points because really he's one of the best guys that's outside of the top 16 right now. Uh, he's the kind of driver that has the potential at any racetrack. I think probably bigger racetracks are his, the cookie cutters and places where he can run a high line. Uh, day race at Richmond, you would think if Badger brought a decent tire, that it would fall off enough to where he can run a high line. Um, he's on the cusp. You just wonder, when is that week going to happen uh, for him? And maybe it is this week at Richmond, um, but we will see. Um, from there, I'll uh, throw to you, Josh, in regards to anything you did on the sim side this past weekend. And um, where can we find you in regards to your streams and on social media? Yeah, so for iRacing, um, I mean, this week it's uh, some more iRacing Super Speedway with Xfinity and then IndyCar on the iRacing Super Speedway. So we're going, you know, 250 in the draft uh, with the IndyCar and, you know, doing, you know, the NASCAR, when you do it, you just stay in fourth gear. But IndyCar, you know, you have the option to switch from, you know, sixth gear then go down to fourth and you know wait to get high revs when you're in the draft and then you can shift up into fifth and you know once you in that draft you uh wait until the last possible moment and then just pull out and and pass and even the high line is useful but i'm going to share my so i'm just going to try to share my screen here and show you the finish to one of my races but uh i had a chance in the xfinity series just to, give me a sec i'll yeah. go and all right i'll mess it mess with it okay yeah. you're good Okay, so I'll I'll share this on so you can see it and see what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I was about to win, and then I was in third, and I got hit and crash, and still finished fifth though. So uh, that part was uh, interesting because the two guards came up together, uh, and I thought they were gonna go both into the wall, and so I went low, and then. Uh, they they came back down and got me and then I ended up finishing fifth. So that was that was pretty close there. Uh and then, you know, IndyCar, like, I mean, look at this. This is um this is insanity here. Look, these guys all getting runs here and we're, you know, fourth gear in the draft and you're going um two hundred fifty plus and you're trying to manage and you got these runs coming up from both sides and uh they it's 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 just really crazy so uh i mean in fact you're in fourth gear yeah and then uh, now you're yeah now you're gearing up so you can and then you're running into the corner yeah. 
And that is insane. Yeah. And then you got to really watch both sides. Cause like, I mean, you know, you talk about the cup cars, like how insane runs they get at the super speedways, but these cars, like you, you hold it or, you know, you floor it and then um, you just stay behind a car for uh, just a bit. Like it, it's, um, I mean, there's a wreck that happens in the background there, but it's just crazy the amount of runs that you can get. And then, I mean, but it's super fun. Cause if you, if you time it right, you know, you can really pass a bunch of cars and, you know, it happened a couple of times, but, um, I mean, at this track, I mean, like you expect a lot of crashes, but surprisingly for, for the Indy cars, at least it was pretty calm. So, uh, it was very entertaining. So try to, um, stream it maybe tomorrow or, or Friday again, try to make another run at it, uh, you know, for fun and, uh, do that. Um, maybe, maybe I might download Barber or something and then, um, we'll try that on the IndyCar side and have to do a little practice on that. But, um, you know, you can follow that on, uh, twitch.tv slash, uh, sailor two. And that's where all the streams will be, uh, for iRacing. Uh, I got to try to set it up for other games too. I mean, I've got some other games I play on PlayStation and on PC. So if you're interested in that, like Madden and, uh, maybe, uh, some, this game called Outriders, which is like a, a third person role-playing game. Uh, which has uh, been pretty fun play with some of my friends, but uh, you know, follow me on there if you want to see some of my sim racing and other gaming stuff. But you know, in general, on the social media side, as always, uh, follow uh, Twitter at uh, uh, twitter.com slash JP Huffine or at JP Huffine. Follow me on there. Um, and then, uh, I mean, that's where I'm most active on social media, and then you know, also the Twitch stream, which we just mentioned so uh that's where you can follow me at yeah that's we'll go and follow you man in regards to your sim racing exploits because you're able to go up there and at least put yourself in a position to win and then end up getting whether you you win but then if it isn't a win you're getting wrecked by some jackass so it's just a part of being a sim racer i guess uh for me, it's part of what happens. You flame out and you fry out on the bowling lane or you flame out and you fry out as a podcast producer. Uh, you can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, basically anywhere um, big name you can find a podcast. You can find the Gripture podcast. Uh, Podbean's where we go and upload our our show. You can uh, get it at philipgmatthew.com. Uh, you can get it at philipgmatthew on Twitter or at gripstrippod on Twitter. Um, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, which has basically become I post my good scores of bowling, uh, you can go and kind of follow all that. I work for um, sportlight.com in a freelance role for George Housen, who has the uh, F1 Grid Talk podcast. Of course, Tom, uh, who was on earlier for the Monkey Seat podcast, uh, give those guys a lot of support. They're great people, great group in general, uh, especially for George and the Grid Talk podcast. 
um, Jared, who kind of runs and uh, deals with things in regards to the website and F1 Chronicle, um, all great people. Uh, we will be back next week on the GSP, which will be um, a lot of recapping in regards to NASCAR and Formula One, but we'll probably get into the football, uh, get into the NFL draft. Um, of course, Josh is Jacksonville Jaguars are going to draft Trevor Lawrence, so they'll have a quarterback for the first time in a long time. Um, and the Jets more than likely know who they're going to draft. And uh, we'll see uh, what the Niners are going to do. Hopefully by this time next week, we kind of know. And it isn't Mac Jones or else I'm going to become a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, with all that, um, stay safe. Take care of one another. Get your vaccine. Um, wear a mask. Social distance. Uh, just have some common sense. Uh, if you do things the right way, or at least think logically, um, this thing can end a heck of a lot quicker than um, where we're at right now. And um, we're in a bad place and we're kind of going back in a bad place. So let's go and take care of one another. It's, it's not that hard. It's, it really isn't if you really care about human, the human life. Um, We'll uh, see you next week on the Grifter Podcast. Thank you, Josh, as always, being my wingman and uh, being a great friend and great co-host. And uh, thank you to everyone that listens to us um, and downloads us. And, and hopefully you can go and give us a like or do whatever, subscribe, the whole bit as we uh, grow this deal and keep it on, keep on keeping on here in 2021. We'll see you next week on the Grifter Podcast. Take care. Good night.